Good morning. I am uh, reminded today of the psalmist who said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. So good morning. Welcome to worship today. We appreciate our Fab Four leading us in uh, worship this morning in the garden. We appreciate that. I wish that all 450,500 of us could have joined them in the garden, but uh, maybe for another time. But we are looking forward to next week. We are opening our doors for as many as we can fit in, and then we will do more if we need to. So if you want to come, we want you to come. And uh, we're looking forward to being together next week, being able to come into the house of the Lord, and we rejoice with that. And uh, we understand certainly if you feel that you are among the vulnerable because of age or health or feel uncomfortable, won't have child care, bathrooms will be limited, a lot of those things be happening. We'll be sending all that so that you'll be able to make your wise and informed decision about coming. But we want you to come. So uh, you be thinking about if you're if, if you can come and join us and we will uh, rearrange our chairs so that uh, we can uh, remain socially distanced. And we look forward to that very thing. We are uh, today we are continuing our series on the escape zone and what's holding you back. Kind of combining that maybe a little bit with a Mother's Day uh, for many. And uh, so if you've got your Bibles, you might want to find uh, Exodus chapter 3. If you've not already, Exodus chapter 3, we'll be reading verses 13 through 22 today. Can I, can I give a little tribute maybe to Moses' mom and wife here before we move forward, even before we read the Scripture perhaps? Maybe that's a good Bible trivia question. Do you know, do you know the name of Moses' mom and wife? I can give you a hint maybe a little bit about the parents of Moses, they are Jochebed and Amram. Now the question is, which one is the mom? Well, I do a little wordplay sometimes, and I can remember that uh, it was Jochebed because she is the one who made the bed uh, to put uh, Moses in the Nile River. And so you might can remember that it was Jochebed. I, I used to have a hard time also remembering, you might remember, of course, uh, Timothy in the New Testament his mother and grandmother, Lois and Eunice. And I used to have a hard time remembering which one was the grandmother until when I was uh, in school in Texas. I pastored a little church in northern Texas out in rural uh, country church. Uh, the name of it was Lois Baptist Church, and we were mostly made up of grandmothers. So I remembered that Lois, I remember Lois was the grandmother of Timothy, and now you can remember that Lois was the grandmother of Timothy because Brother Jeff pastored Lois Baptist Church and he runs slower than your grandmother. So that would kind of help you also maybe to be able to remember. Well, uh, Jochebed, Eunice, and Lois in the Bible are to be commended as influencers for God and a godly family. In the book of Hebrews, speaking about Moses, it particularly talks about the parents of Moses, both of the parents being people of faith. However, in Exodus, it was always Moses' mom that took the lead in hiding Moses and putting Moses in the basket and having the plan and then caring for Moses in those early years. Now, Amram, the dad, may have been just as much a person of faith and may have been just as involved, but every time that it's mentioned, that they're mentioned together, it's always Jochebed that is uh, mentioned first. And so we know that uh, she was an influencer, certainly, uh, in his life. The influence of mom on Moses and her part in the physical salvation shows that she was used by God with a much bigger picture in mind. Moses' wife, do you know her name? Wife was Zipporah. Zipporah was a Midianite. 
Now the Midianites are they are distant relatives of the Israelites because their Midianites were descended from Midian and Midian was one of the later sons of Abraham born after Isaac uh, in Genesis 25 Midian is mentioned born he is another brother of a different mother I think from there Genesis 25 I'm trying to give you some details and things that I know about the Bible because I recently lost a Bible trivia uh, uh, contest and so I want to make sure that you know that I know something about that but Zipporah though not an Israelite one of God's chosen people by birth she was not but her faith is represented actually in the very next chapter after Exodus chapter 3. We're going to get to that to where Moses is on his way back from the land of Midian. He's going back to Egypt in order to follow God's call in his life. And as he is, well, he's not doing everything that God has wanted him to do. In fact, the Bible says, surprisingly, that God's about to take Moses' life. He's going to kill Moses. But Zipporah steps in and does the right thing and saves Moses by doing what God has required. So, kind of use that as an introduction to say to all of our wives and moms and ladies and those of you who are influencers of faith and step in to do every day what is required, what is the right, the good, and the best thing to do. And maybe particularly during this time of this pandemic, we applaud how the Lord is using you today. Now, this is a worship service, so... We don't applaud people, particularly in worship service, but we do applaud how God is using people. And we want to applaud how God is using moms and wives and ladies in our church as people of faith. So it's okay right where you are. It's all right if you want to give an applause, maybe particularly there in your home, for those who are in your home, how the Lord certainly is, is using you. And I want to pray for you today. I want to pray for the ladies of our church and wives and moms and this day and maybe there's some separations taking place other things and uh, perhaps not making it the very best day it's certainly going to be a different mother's day maybe one that you long remember i don't know but uh, more infamous i guess but i want to pray for you today and we'll pray for our service let's bow together gracious heavenly father we come to you even on this lord's day father recognizing that our god is in charge sovereign over all things and we thank you father for uh, the fact that you put together the family that you meant for there to be moms and dads and children and grandchildren and we thank you father that families were the uh, key uh, institution even before the church to be influencers for faith and father I thank you for uh, moms wives ladies in our church and thank you for how you have used these father and we, we thank you for how they are have Christ in their heart, seeking to follow you. And uh, Father, we, we give tribute to how you continue to use the women of our church uh, in a very influential way. And we thank you, Father, and we, we pray for these. We pray for those who are hurting today, maybe those who've lost loved ones or have strained relationships. And Father, we just pray that, uh, that you, even today, might be a day that uh, we learn to lean on you even more, to draw close to you. And, that you, we ask you that you help us through even this worship service today or your passage to give direction of the things that we need to do and how we can trust in you for all things. And we thank you, Father, for the opportunity to come and be able to worship you today. Thank you, Father, for the worship that we've had uh, today online, and we thank you for, for our praise band and songs that they have sung, Father, that have uh, given tribute to you and 
and how they have led us to the throne room even now. We pray, Father, that you might remove all distractions that could be around the house or wherever we are to help us to be able to focus on what your word has to say. And Father, though I'm an inadequate vessel, I pray, Father, that even through the words that I say or uh, through your word, Father, that we might be able to understand and know that we serve a God that cares for us and loves us. And we thank you, Father, how you're going to be at work. And now, may the words of my mouth, the meditation of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. O oh, Lord, my rock and my redeemer. It's in the precious name of the Lord Jesus we lift these prayers. Amen and amen. We do realize that sometimes Mother's Day or any kind of holiday sometimes might bring a little bit more strain, not always a happy day. Sometimes it could be because you've lost a mom or maybe you've lost a family member. It could be that there have been strained relationships or it could be today that you're separated from family because of what's been happening in the pandemic. I believe that the passage that we're reading today happens to fall on this day uh, not by accident, and it is a passage that will bring much encouragement to you today as we listen to God's Word, read God's Word today. We're in Exodus chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. We'll read to the end of the chapter. It says this, Then Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, What is your name? What shall I say to them? God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say this to the people of Israel, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. Go and gather the elders of Israel together and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob, has appeared to me, saying, I have observed you and what has been done to you in Egypt. And I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, Perizzites, the Hivites, the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And they will listen to your voice, and you and the elders of Israel shall go to the king of Egypt and say to them, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us, and now please let us go a three days' journey into the wilderness that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. And after that, he will let you go. And I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty, but each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing. You shall put them on your sons and on your daughters. So you shall plunder the Egyptians. May the Lord bless the reading of his holy word today. When I was in college, I worked for what was then AmSouth Bank for two or three years, I guess, and I worked in the collection and repossession department. We would repossess cars sometimes. They would uh, hire college students maybe to go and help find vehicles and even to uh, bring them to where they uh, needed to be. So some of my time was repossessing cars. A lot of my time was finding people and calling people up and and so I would spend a lot of time on the phone. And I remember one particular call where I called and asked, could I speak to Howard Johnson? And the mom, the lady on the other side of the phone, she said, you'll have to tell me which Howard Johnson you want to speak to. And then she began to say something, which I'm sure she's explained many times. She said, my husband's name is Howard Johnson. And we have four boys, and when our first son was born, he insisted that he be named Howard Johnson, so we named him Howard Johnson. When our second son was born... 
He also wanted him to be named Howard Johnson, so his name is Howard Johnson. When a third son was born, she said he needed to be named Howard Johnson. My husband wanted, so we named him Howard Johnson. When a fourth son was born, I put my foot down, and we named him Luther. Now, I don't know what they named him, actually, but they named him something else. And uh, so you'll have to tell me which Howard Johnson that you want to speak to. And I said, I'd like to speak to the Howard Johnson who's three months behind on his 78 Camaro. There was a pause. She said, I think you have the wrong number. Click. Well, today we talk about this focusing on the name of God, a name given to only one. Key verse is found in verse 14. When Moses asked, when I go, what, is, what will I say is his name? In verse 14, said God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. We're always asking through prayer for God to reveal himself to us and to reveal his will and his plan and to make himself known. I believe God's spirit and the wisdom of God is not to be hidden. God wants to reveal his will to us and we believe that he wants to reveal himself or his will and his plan, particularly to those who are people of faith and those who are calling upon him and asking for those very things. But I think we have also found as we grow in our journey and as we go along and we want to know maybe we're praying and we want to know the answer to a certain thing or something we're going through or we want to know God's will it is found more often in simply seeking not necessarily for that answer to that prayer to know God's will but it's found in seeking to know God to be able to know more of him and for him to be able to reveal himself more to us seeking God's will is found when we seek him now, the name that God gives, it's become one of the most studied about, maybe written about words or word in the entire Old Testament. It's significant to what we know about God and how we relate to Him. His name, all of His names, but this name particularly reveals and teaches us about Himself. It's from where we get the name Yahweh or Jehovah. And this reveals to us some things that we need to know about God. Now, we've read this morning a part of the call of Moses while at the burning bush. We saw the first of that last week, and we're going to finish up on the mountain and about the burning bush next week. But it's a well-known story as the Bible. But I want us to be able to make sure that we understand the God who spoke to Moses from the burning bush is the same God that made himself known in the flesh. It's the same one that was born in Bethlehem, the one who uh, gave himself on the cross of Calvary, the one who rose again. And we know God. We know God as the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And I want you to understand that Jesus is the revelation and incarnation I am. It is who was on the mountain that day, just the same as the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit were present. So what difference does this make? Well, for the same reason God spoke to Moses through a burning bush, Jesus has made himself known, and there are some things God wants you to know about him. I believe from this passage there are some things that God wants you to be able to understand. So here's kind of a question we're answering as we work our way through the passage. What does God want you to know about himself? First of all, he wants you to know about his reputation. When we talk of somebody's reputation, we usually speak of their character or their integrity or the lack thereof. But when God said, I am who I am, he revealed to us his reputation. 
Sometimes in your translations it may have said, I, uh, I am what I am, or it's I am who I am. But God often said that he was the God of people like Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, which was reputation enough of being the God of the patriarchs who communicated and walked with God. But that didn't seem to be enough because he had already revealed that in the first part of the chapter. But Moses asked, what is your name? And for ancient Israel and ancient Near East, names revealed character. I am who I am, as if God was saying, the Israelites know who I am, but it's the same verse that he says, tell them I am has sent you. Because God can only be compared with himself. It probably would be a strange way for us to talk about God, though we do it sometimes. We ask, well, is God good or is God bad? Will God be faithful? Is he righteous? But I think we need to understand that by very definition, what God does is good and godly. When James says this in the New Testament, James chapter 1 and verse 13 he says, let no one say that God tempts man, for God does not tempt anyone. God cannot be tempted by evil. I believe that James understood that to, be, to tempt someone to do evil would be wrong. And while God would not do wrong, sin, or cause another to sin, he understood something else. Because God does it, it is right, and it is good. We do not, do not compare God to goodness. He defines it for us. Now, does it seem a little bit confusing? I, I think God understands that all of this about who God is is beyond our comprehension and intellectual grasp, but he wants us to be able to comprehend more. So what he did for us so that we might be able to understand his reputation, what he did for Moses, he revealed himself in the burning bush for Moses, and he spoke to Moses so Moses might have a better understanding. Because you see this word that's used for God, it's not the first time. It's a, it's a name for God that it shows up in, in the book of Genesis. But it may have been a long time since anyone used this name for God. The Lord's done the same thing for us in order to reveal His reputation, His integrity, we, to be able to reveal more of Himself. Well, He knew that we needed something. And so the, He sent the only begotten Son who came in the flesh so that we might be able to have a better understanding of who He is. And from Jesus' life and everything that He did for us, we know this, nothing or no one can be compared to Jesus. All have sinned, the Bible says, but the Him, He is our standard of righteousness. It's important because we need a standard. It's basic to what we believe as Christians and how we relate to God in this world. In this deep theology for which great minds have pondered over the ages of how God can only be compared with himself is found in, in application maybe in the four simple letters which maybe the fad has gone away but we know that are still true WWJD what would Jesus do if God can only be compared with himself we'll only compare ourselves to Christ our Lord our standard is to be above the world standards and we're to raise the standards for all those around us. And so, moms and ladies, if you're listening today, we want you to be able to. Well, we want to be able to thank you for raising the standard for your family, and for those in our church and those in our community as well. So, God wants us to teach us about His reputation. He also wants to be able to be sure that He teaches us about His reliability. God never changes. I am who I am could be translated. 
I was what I was or I will be what I will be. All apply to the name of God. Last chapter in the book of Hebrews, writer of Hebrews wrote that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. He's the one force in the universe which will never alter. He's the one on whom we can rely. His name, Yahweh, is a memorial to all generations. Notice again verse 15 to where it talks about there, last part of that verse, this is my name forever, and thus I am to be remembered throughout all generations. He will forever be what he has always been. So can you count any blessings in your life today? Maybe it's more difficult in these days maybe than other days. Let me ask you this. How about blessings that do not include finances or material things or do not include your health? Because there are some people going through some tough times both financially and health-wise who are just as blessed. Let's think about it like this. The blessings that you have and that you can count should somehow be related to the name or to the names of God. Can we do this as an exercise? You can do this at home and we'll think about this. I want you to think about the names of God. We won't list them all today, but I just want you to think of the names of God maybe from A to Z. Can you think about it for just a moment? I'll probably go faster than you could name them there in your home, but it'll be okay. But let's, let's talk about what the A would be. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the bread of life. He is the cornerstone. He is the door. He is the eternal one. He is the friend of sinners. He is the great I am and the good shepherd. He is the holy one. He is the I, talking about the I. He is the I am. He's Jesus. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, the light of the world, for still on the L, where he's the one who is the Messiah. He's the name above all names. He's omniscient and omnipotent. He's the Prince of Peace. You've come to the queue. What are you going to do with it? He's the one who quenches our thirst. He is the Redeemer, Savior of the world, the truth and the only truth. He is the unknown God who can be known. He is the vine, wonderful counselor in the Word of God. And we've come to the X. Do you remember what we're going to do with the X? He is the exalted one. He is the one who is the exact, excellent example, the yoke in which is easy and light. We come to the Z. How about this? Zion is the hill upon which city of the Jerusalem is built. He is the Zion-loving, sacrificial king. Has God been good to you? Has he been with you during these tough times? You can be sure that he will not let go. He will never leave nor forsake. What, is God, what else does God want us to know about him? He wants you to know about his relationship to you. The Lord has declared His presence. The name I am, it's actually the verb or, or is similar to the verb in the Hebrew, one word, to be. Well, there are many names for God. There's El or Elohim in the Old Testament, Adonai for Lord, El Shaddai, God Almighty, many, many others. But the verb to be comes from the same word to where we might write the letters Y. W Y H W H. We pronounce that Yahweh, but in truth, we have no idea how that is pronounced because there were no vowels when this was written. It's from where we get Jehovah. In ancient days, God's divine name, Yahweh or Jehovah, we don't find it in any other books, but we only find it written here in the Bible. 
when rabbis would come and they come to this particular word that would be in the Bible and they were to copy it instead or they would pronounce it they were to only pronounce not Yahweh but they would pronounce another name it would be Adonai and the word that we get for Jehovah or even Yahweh is a combination of these letters Y-H-W-H and Adonai in one definition of what this means is that he is the creator, sustainer of all that exists, and thus the Lord of both creation and history, all that is and all that is happening, active and present in everyday affairs. Whenever you come across the sacred name of God in the Scriptures, it's actually spelled with all caps. If you come across it in most English translations, it will be all capital letters with the L being slightly larger, such as found in verse 15. Whenever the verb to be is used in Hebrew, it makes a strong statement about the presence in the person of God. And he repeats again to Moses that he is the Lord God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And now he's also the God of Moses. He's the ever-present, omniscient God who desires a relationship with you. In Matthew chapter 22, the Sadducees are having a conversation with Jesus. And the Sadducees who do not believe in the resurrection, they want to trip Jesus up. They're trying to uh, trip him up in his words and so the Sadducees asked the question about the resurrection because of a law that the Jews had that if a, if a man's married to a woman and the man dies with having no children the brother is to marry the woman and be able to raise up offspring for his brother and so they asked Jesus this question there was a man who had seven brothers he was married and he died with no children his brother married her and he died the third brother Married her and he died. The same thing happened to all seven brothers. And then they asked Jesus, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? Jesus says, wow, that woman must have been hard to live with. No, that's not what Jesus said. Jesus said, you are deceived and you know not what you speaketh of. For in the resurrection we're neither married nor given in marriage. And concerning the resurrection, you remember what was spoken to you by God and Jesus quotes this very passage or one just like it and he said I'm the God of Abraham and the God of Jacob and the God, the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob and really what he was telling them was that he's not the God of the dead but he's the God of the living and he desires a relationship with the living a life that begins on earth and continues in heaven and because of Jesus everyone who calls upon the name of Jesus can have a relationship with the living Lord and so we pause long enough to be able to say to you that if you're listening today and you don't have a relationship with the Lord Jesus, He desires a relationship with you today. And He asks you not to do anything, not to follow a list of what you should and should not do, or, uh, but to simply call upon Him and ask Christ to forgive you of your sins and ask Christ to come in. And He wants to have a relationship with you. But also, we find that what does, what does this passage teach us about our Lord? It is that you represent Him. Moses is to tell them, I am has sent Him, and that is He who will bring them out of Egypt and take them to the land flowing with milk and honey. I want you to notice here as we read this passage, we often talk about Moses as a deliverer, and he will be called that. But particularly in this passage, it's not Moses who is the deliverer. It's God. And Moses is God's instrument. Moses represented God. We, we've already found out in previous chapters that Moses is far from perfect, but God 
cause him to be God's mouthpiece, God's representative. He would speak to the Israelites, God's people, and he would speak to the king of Egypt, a lost king. And he would represent Yahweh, God, before both. It's the same in the New Testament. We who are believers in the Lord Jesus, we are ambassadors for Christ. We represent him. If it's true that if we know him and his name means that he's present with us and in our hearts, then it also means that we represent Christ before other believers and before the lost world. You may not want it. You may not desire it. But whether you want it or not, you represent Jesus to others and you may be the closest thing to Jesus some people will ever see. It may be that though some, of those, some who have not represented Jesus perfectly, some who have maybe not made the stand when they have wanted to have lived to regret it. And I got to tell you, I are one of those people. But can I also tell you that the times that you and I stand for Jesus, the times that you and I represent the Lord Jesus Christ in a manner worthy of our calling, we will never regret. God's plan ultimately was to lead the people to the land of Canaan. But he first tells Moses, after he confirmed with the elders, to ask the king to let the people take a three-day journey in the wilderness to worship God. Does this seem strange to you that this is what he's going to ask Moses? Let us take a three-day journey to worship. Now, I've heard some that have taken this to mean that they're telling Pharaoh they're going to take a three-day journey, and if he says yes, they're just going to keep on going. I'm not sure that that's the case or that's how God would... Uh, would ask them to do uh, it certainly is the fact that once they have uh, recognized that God is an awesome God of delivering that God's people would want to worship but I've also read this I've read the fact that perhaps this three day journey is more of a euphemism or softened way of saying we're leaving and we're not coming back and when Pharaoh heard that, or would hear the, and he did hear, let us take a three-day journey to worship, he understood that they weren't coming back. It was some kind of an idiom. We, we don't have a perfect uh, a parallel to that, probably in English or in our culture, of why or how they would think that. But we do have some things kind of like that. Uh, if, the, if, a, if you're ever told in a doctor's office, the doctor will be with you in just a moment. Well, we know that's a euphemism for you're going to be waiting a while. Or uh, maybe your children came to you, your son says, can I, Dad, can I have the keys to the car? Well, he's not just going to hold the keys. You will understand that. Or the one might, you know, can I see the remote? You know that person doesn't want to just see the remote, but uh, they want to change or to have control of what's going on. And listen, sons and daughters and husbands, it's okay for your mom or wife to have the remote today. They may, she may always have the remote, just letting you know a little bit about that. But I'm not sure we'll ever have a quite understanding or one that I can understand of why they would go and ask Pharaoh, can we take a three-day journey? But in his omniscience, God knows Pharaoh's answer will be no. Then God's power, wonder, it says in the Scripture, will be revealed, and God's people would go to the Promised Land. In these few verses, we find the entire story of Exodus foretold. Now let, let's make the connection. 
we know that the Deliverer has come. For us, His name is Jesus. He is Yahweh, God. Now in the Bible, Egypt often is seen as a symbol for worldliness and the promised land is a symbol of what it is to be able to have a relationship with, with Christ. Promised land is not just being able to go to heaven, though that's a big part of it, but it's being able to have a relationship. It's a symbol for life in Christ. We're saved from living in sin and worldliness so we might have real living in Jesus. Well, even though we've not experienced all of it yet, it's a foregone conclusion. So what would we do? What should we do? What would come natural if we know that's happening in our life, that we're no longer living in Egypt, but now we're able to live in the promised land with Jesus and be able to have life with Him? Well, naturally, we should worship. And it's okay if we worship, and it's okay if the world watches. Or earlier... In this chapter, it was said that once you bring the people out of Egypt, you'll come and worship me on this mountain, God told Moses. So yes, worshiping together is important. We should be anxious to get back to it. Let me ask you, did you take it for granted before? I mean, what if you miss a Sunday or two? It'll always be there next week. We'd always go to worship next Sunday. Well, maybe not so much. That's hardly been the case, has it? May we not take the idea of corporate worship for granted ever again. One day you're going to tell your kids or your grandkids perhaps about the days that you could not come and worship together. But you know, all around the world today there are followers of Jesus who clamor for corporate worship. Some are unable because of persecution or do so under the threat of harm. Others are going to underground churches even today in different parts of the world. And then there are others that are so far away from other believers that sometimes they have to travel a day's journey just to be able to get to a place where they can worship with others and they worship on that day and then they turn around and they travel back a three-day event. Yes, we're going to go to a little bit of trouble, I guess, so that many who, as many who would like can come and worship next week safely and according to authority guidelines. But I am convinced as never before through this passage because we're worshiping the great I am, it is well worth the trouble. And he sent us too, just like he did Moses to be God's representative. And like many of us, Moses was apprehensive. But if you're a child of God, you have a responsibility not only to worship but to serve and to show God's love. Church family, you who are members of Parkway Baptist Church, you represent us. You represent the church. You and I need to ask as moms and wives, husbands and dads, sons and daughters, regardless of what we're doing out in the community, do I? Is this what I want people to think of people who are members of Parkway Baptist Church? But even more important, what will it lead people to think of God and your Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who is the great I am? One more thing I want you to know about, or I believe this passage teaches us about who God is, and it is that He is the Redeemer. By God's power, God's people will be delivered from Egypt and will be set free. Not only will God deliver them, but they will receive the plunders of Egypt. God's power will be so great and effective that their Egyptian neighbors will give them their jewelry and gold and silver and clothing. Notice, if you would, last verse in the chapter verse 22 they went from wearing the clothes of slaves to wearing the clothes of royalty and the richest people on earth you will plunder the Egyptians 
they had worked and slaved for 400 years and now they were perhaps receiving in a sense their back wages but what did God do the, the power is not just in the riches they received but God changed the minds and the attitudes of the Egyptians the Egyptians who had enslaved the Israelites the Egyptians who were willing to throw all the baby boys into the Nile River to the power of the wonders of God, things had changed their minds and their attitudes so that they were willing to give the people of Israel, Israel their belongings. And notice who was doing the asking. Did you notice? It's the ladies. Ladies, you go and ask of your household. Now, picture this. It was perhaps maybe the men who were making the bricks. And the ladies, who were also slaves, many of them were perhaps working and living and taking care of Egyptian families. And so that's kind of the picture that is presented here in which they are asking the very families in which they lived that they had once served, and now they're asking their masters for their belongings. Do you think the Lord's been using the events of the past couple of months to change the minds and attitudes of people? I mean, both those who are church people and those who are lost. To change their minds about things I mean about our belongings and our bank accounts and those kind of things and maybe about our relationship with the divine like if I put my trust in my job and my career and my financial status only all could be lost but God is the redeemer the great I am is the deliverer the Israelites would receive the gold and the silver of Egypt what we receive from God is more precious than silver, more costly than gold. Nothing we could desire can be compared with Him. Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. The Bible says that we're heirs of the Heavenly Father, rich in Christ. The kingdom of God will be ours as his adopted children. If you do not have the wealth of the world today, we'll know that you already have the wealth of the kingdom of God. Or if all you have is the wealth of the world today and you don't have Jesus, then all not just could be lost, all will be lost. John, the gospel writer, saw in Christ... Yahweh God in the flesh. And he wrote seven times that Jesus called himself the great I am. In John chapter 6 and verse 35, he completed the I am by saying, I am the bread of life. In chapter 8 and verse 12, he says, I am the light of the world. Chapter 10 and verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he'll be saved. Chapter 10 and verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd who gives his life for the sheep. In chapter 11, verse 25, he says, I am the resurrection of the life. He who believes in me, though he die, will live. Chapter 14, and verse 6, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And then in chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Jesus Christ, we talked about it here before, and we believe he's seen in the Old Testament. We also know that Yahweh God is seen in the New Testament. God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is seen throughout. Five-year-old boy by the name of Billy was at a family reunion that was next to a lake. Amidst all the things that took place, most people did not notice when five-year-old Billy fell into the lake, except his mom heard a splash. 
and started yelling. The dad started running toward the lake, took off his glasses and his shoes, and he dove in. Dove into the lake looking for little Billy, but he couldn't find him at first. He came up one more time. He took a breath of air, and he came down once again. And there he found little Billy holding on to the pillar of a dock about eight feet below. He pried his little fingers off and took Billy up to the surface and brought him up. And after a few uh, anxious moments and a couple of soft slaps, Billy was fine. His mom grabbed him, held on to him, said, Billy, what were you doing down there? Billy said, I don't know. I guess I was just waiting on Dad. Wouldn't be a terrible thing. Wait upon the Heavenly Father. Seek to know Him better, and we know He will not let us down. Proverbs 22.1 says this, A good name, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. Choose the name of Christ. God wishes to reveal Himself to us and to make Himself known and to make His will known. Will you make Him Lord of every part of your life? We've talked about today that if you want to have a relationship with Jesus, what it is that you can do. And we encourage you to call upon Jesus. You can call anytime. The Lord's always ready. He's always willing. But don't put it off. Today, call and ask Christ to be your Savior and to be your Lord. Ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins. Ask Christ to come in to be your Savior and Lord of your life. He'll come into your heart and you can live with Him today and live with Him forever. As a believer of the Lord Jesus, think about what it is that you need to turn over to Him. Think of all that God has done to make Himself known to you. And He continues to want us to know Him more and more every day. And because of that, we should want to worship Him, serve Him, love Him, and love others. Now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you, be gracious to you, and give you peace. I'm going to turn you over to Sydney to finish us out today.